Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey, if you've got your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of Judges, Old Testament. Um, So go with me to the book of Judges, chapter 1, and I I want to share this morning a message uh, that I believe... Without a doubt, God God has given me. It's it's more of a um, it is more of a New Year's message, I suppose you would call it, uh, than it is a Christmas message. Christmas is coming in the next few weeks, um, but if you all would turn, that would be awesome. And I'm trying to find it. They changed my iOS, Scotty. You say, why do I say Scotty? Because he works for an Apple store, so anything Apple, I take to Scotty right now. I got it. I found it. They did. They changed my iOS. I hate when they move things. Don't you hate it when things aren't broken? They fix it? Oh, my goodness. Drives me crazy. Judges chapter 1. We're going to be there this morning. Uh, Let's pray, and I want to jump into this uh, today. Heavenly Father, we once again, we just come to you, and I pray as I, I share across these first few verses in Judges that Holy Spirit, will you please step into this room and guide us and direct our steps. I pray today, Father, that you would uh, anoint, uh, that you would help me to step out of the way and your words to be brought across in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys have a sense that we're at war? I mean, not literally pick up guns, thank goodness, by the grace of God, yet at war, but you have a sense we're we're at war. It almost feels that way. Uh, and, 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 it, and it has for a long time, but it just seems to be getting more and more intense. And I want you to imagine, before we jump into Judges this morning, if you can imagine coming home one day and realize that there is an enemy that now controls your home. You could talk about your house, but you could also talk about your neighborhood. You could talk about your city. You could talk about your country. You could talk about a lot of things. But imagine a brutal, powerful, entrenched enemy that you you show up one day, and there he is. What do you do? How do you win that battle? How do you win that war? Um, if you can imagine that. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you all, I can't. And I suspect you probably can't either. We've been so blessed in America. We've never had that kind of extended warfare, at least not in our lifetime, happen on our soil. In our neighborhoods, we've never had we've never had uh, 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 pickup trucks full of armed men driving through our subdivisions, threatening our. We've never had that. Thank God for that. We've been we've been so very blessed. But if you can imagine that this morning, I many years ago I was in uh, Peru, South America. The first missions trip I ever took was to the city of Lima, several million people, and uh, it was one of the most life changing experiences, but there was one moment in that trip, there was a lot of moments I remember, but one that relates to this, I can remember the way we traveled was in, they called it the, the, the mule, 
and it was just an old 1970s blue pickup truck that they had built the wood racks in. Remember the wood racks they used to build up out of the pickup trucks? And they would throw all of us younger guys. I was 23 then, so I was just a kid. They'd throw all of us younger guys in the back, and everywhere we went, we traveled that way. So I'm in the back of this thing with a bunch of guys, and we're headed to a church we're working on remodeling, and I can remember the driver was one of the locals, and he had, and it was, a, it was a big city. He was headed down this street, and he goes to turn left on the street, and I was in the back, so I could see pretty clearly up over the cab of the truck, and all I could see was all of a sudden there were these military vehicles about a block up, and they had turned in like this, and piling out of the back of the trucks were men carrying shotguns and AK-47s, or at least I assume they were AK-47s. All I know is they were really big guns, that would have, were not good. And this guy, he, he, he was just starting to turn left onto this street where that was all happening a block up, and immediately he did a U-turn in the truck and went the other direction. I have no idea what was going on. I have no idea what was happening, and I'm grateful that I have never found out what was happening on that day. But he knew something potentially was happening up there that he didn't want to take a bunch of Americans into the middle of. In their world, that was just kind of everyday life. We're pretty blessed in America. But if you can imagine coming home and finding your subdivision full of an entrenched arm, foe, and enemy, you kind of got a little bit of an idea of what's going on in Judges. God has brought the children of Israel to the Promised Land. In the book of Joshua, he's brought them across the Jordan River. And Joshua's taken in kind of the first shock troops in his life. He went and he softened up the enemy, and he prepared the enemy to be defeated and won many battles, but Joshua now has died, and it's that next generation figuring out, are we going to be able to get these guys out of here or not? And they're asking themselves that question, how do you overcome those odds? Let me read the first seven verses here with you. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, who shall go go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into the territory allotted to me, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go up with you into the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they defeated 10,000 of them at Bezel. They found Adonai Bezek, at Bezek and fought against him and defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites and Adonai, and realize Adonai means God or Lord. So this could be uh, the Lord of, or the God of the city of Bezek or the area of Bezek, but this guy had a pretty high opinion of himself. Adonai Bezek fled, but they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Can you say, ouch? That is not pleasant. Cut off his thumbs and his big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off used to pick up the scraps under my table as I have done so God has repaid me. And they brought him to Jerusalem and he died there. And you say, that's an odd passage to preach out of. And I have to agree with you. But as I read through that, I really felt the Holy Spirit say, there's some truths in there that the people of God Need to, need to hear, need to understand, need to grasp. And I just want to share some of those this morning as our, we work our way back through this. Judges 1.1, let's just go back to the beginning and let's just start and let's work our way through this. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. They inquired of the Lord. And the first thing I want to share with you this morning is this. God has a plan. 
right? Not just a plan for America, not just a plan for Souls Harbor, although those are true. He's got a plan for you and your life and your family. He's got a path for you. He's got a direction for you. He's got a lane for you, if, if, if you will. He's got a purpose, a direction, a path, a way forward for you in your life. I, I want you to know that because some of you here this morning may be feeling like, because I've been there, I've felt like this at times. God, I, I, I want to believe that. I, I choose to believe that, but I don't see it. I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand why you've got me where you are. I don't understand why my responsibilities are, are what they are. I don't understand, God, why you're not moving me here or moving me there. God, I don't see it. And I want you to know this morning, I, I want you to hear this this morning, and I want you to hear it as a word from God. God has got a plan and he's got a purpose for your life. He's got a direction that he's taking you. Whether you know the direction, see the direction, or understand the direction or not, God has absolutely got a purpose and a direction for your life. And a good thing to do as a Christian is to do what they did at the death of Joshua. The people inquired of the Lord. Now listen, I've inquired of the Lord a lot over the years. And there's been an occasion where God has spoken pretty honestly, pretty directly to me and given me some really, really strong direction. But I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot more times where I've inquired of the Lord and all I heard was crickets. Anybody here ever hear crickets after you pray? You understand what I'm saying? And you know, in, in reality, they were both moments of growth, but I think the crickets may have been the greater moment of growth because in that moment, I had to step back, look around, make the best decision I could make and believe that God in his silence was still going to see that I stayed on the path he wanted me to stay on. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? I mean, it's great when you have that burning bush moment. Goodness, we all are scared to death of them and love them. That burning bush moment where God comes down and puts a great big neon flashing sign in front of us that says, you know, with an arrow saying, go this direction, go this direction, go this direction. But what about those moments where God says, you know what, I'm going to stay silent, but I'm going to make sure somehow or other you're going to get where you need to be. When I was 18 years old, I had this dream. I wanted to be an architect. Now, I am a little ashamed and embarrassed to admit this this morning, but the reason, because you all laugh at me, but the reason I wanted to be an architect was because I really liked the Brady Bunch. And Mike Brady was an architect. And he had a really cool house. From where I was coming, I look back at it like now, and I'm like, that was a nice house. But, you know, it wasn't it. To me, it was like, like a million-dollar mansion. He had this incredible house, and I thought, I want to be an architect. And he had this really cool office, this really cool den. You come in this front door, and there to the right, you go in there. He's got this drafting table in his office. It, it was just cool. I want to be an architect. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I was not really at that point in my life living where I was supposed to live, and I did not spend a whole lot of time and energy inquiring of the Lord. But here's how good God is. Despite the fact that I was probably not going, definitely not going the direction God ultimately had for me, God still managed to use the direction I went. I, I, I moved into a tech school, got some training in drafting, and for the next 20 plus, almost probably 30 years, he allowed me to be a bivocational pastor and make a living and care and provide for my family while preaching the gospel. All based on the Brady Bunch, my desire to be an architect, and there's some other stories in there. I missed going. I didn't go to, to a, an accredited college to truly become an architect. I became a draftsman. But I lived in Elkhart, and that's what they needed, and the money was pretty good. Listen to me this morning, folks. Inquire of the Lord. 
When you get answers, follow them. When you get silence, make your best choice. And know this, even if there's been times in your life where you've missed God because you weren't inquiring of the Lord, God is so good and he's so big and he's so incredible and he's so much ahead of the curve on this stuff that he will get your life where it needs to be. Even, listen, here's the way I put it for me, okay? I won't say this about you, but here's the way I'll put it for me. He gets me where I need to be even in spite of my stupidity, right? Inquire of the Lord. God has got a plan. He's got a plan for your life. I think one of the best things we can do is ask God this question, what's next? As long as you're breathing, ask God, what's next? I go to, and I haven't because of COVID for a long time, but I go to the assisted living facility where my mom lives in memory care, and one of the saddest things is to see people sitting in there, and you can tell those that have gotten there and those that are still not but you can tell those that have just given up and feel like, I'm just existing, I have no purpose. I heard a statistic the other day. It was, uh, it was, it was interesting. It was good. Uh, it, was, it made me think. For every, and I had to go, I went back and did a little research on it this morning to see how accurate it was, but the, the statistic was this. For every year you live, the average life expectancy gets four months longer. Now think about that for a second. Now, To the extent that's true, that means if I live an additional 30 years, when I get out there 30 years, if 30 years from now would put me at that average, which it puts me beyond, but let's just say it does, by the time I get to the end of the 30 years, the average will have moved 10 years further out. So it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. So um, people are living longer and longer and longer and longer, and we're still trying to get our head around that as a culture, man. We just are. It's like, what do I do with myself at 60 and 70 and healthy and still got to, you know, God help me have a sharp mind. People, people are taking on second careers. People are, people are hitting a place of retirement and, and, and able to draw Social Security and, and able to retire, and they do it for about a year, and then they're like, man, this is boring, who wants to spend all day? Now, some people love it, and if you do and you're retired, God bless you. I, I, that's, I'm not being critical here. But some people, I don't want to spend the rest of the, my, my day sitting on my back porch watching the grass grow. And they're going and volunteering. I tell my kids, I'm like, man, you guys, you guys make better money in your life than I've ever made in my entire life. I said, you need to be investing that. You need to be putting that into a retirement plan and a 401k plan. And, and, and they do, and they're smart with all that. And, and I tell them, like, you know, you need to be able to retire at 50 or 40, or whatever. And they're like, man, Dad, I don't want to quit working at 40. I say, no, 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 that's not the point. It's not that you can quit. It's not that you quit working at 40 or 50. It's, can you imagine being able to get up one day at 40 years old or 50 years old, and, and you don't have to go to a job? You can go do whatever you want to do for a living, regardless of the cost? I mean, if you want to go back and get that medieval um, degree in Germanic poetry... And y'all go for it, right? Because it, it's just, or if God says, hey, I, I, want you to go to, um, I want you to go to a South American country, an African country, or a Native American uh, reservation, and I want you to teach kids math, or I want you to go and love them and talk to them about Jesus, and you're not going to get paid anything for it, how cool would it be to be able to get up every day and go do that and say, you know what, I'm not going to get paid for it, I don't care, I don't need the money, Right? Don't ever stop inquiring of the Lord, whatever your age, right? 
God, what's next? Because there is always a next. At least this is my feeling. As long as there's breath in your lungs, there's a next. My grandfather, he, he died in a nursing home in Ohio. And uh, I hadn't seen him for quite a long time prior to him passing away. It was unexpected. And uh, I can remember them telling me that you're, and I don't remember his family or, or the staff, they came to his, the staff from the nursing home came to his funeral. But I can remember them saying to me, he had to have a job always. And even in the last days of his life, his job, and, and to us this is going to sound kind of silly and kind of, you know, just kind of pedestrian and trite and not a big deal, but his, his job in his last days was to bring, roll his wheelchair or have somebody roll his wheelchair down there and sit outside the nurse's station just to make sure that no other residents came down and got the meds before they were supposed to. Now, that may not be a big deal to you or me, but at least to the very end, the man had purpose. Never stop inquiring of the Lord. And I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but I, I spent more time there than I planned, and I think somebody does. Somebody does. Let's read on down again a little further. Let's look at verse 3. The Lord said to Judah, shall, Judah, the Lord said, they inquired who shall go up. The Lord said to Judah, the Lord said, comma, I'll get this, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me into the territory allotted to me that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go up with you into the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with him. And I believe there's a truth in there this morning, and it's this, that we need to fight together supporting one another. How do you defeat an enemy that is taken over your home, that is, has incredible strength and power and is evil and brutal? How do you beat that enemy? Listen, despite John Wayne being a great guy to watch on the movies... There aren't many wars won with John Wayne's. They're more likely to be won with people that are there fighting together, supporting one another. It's rare that an individual ever beats an overwhelming enemy alone. Rome understood this. Let me just talk to you about Rome for a second. They, they, they got this. I, in, within, within Rome, the Roman uh, army military, they went through different phases. They had a period of time where they had a, a, a group called the cohorts. That was the way they organized their soldiers. They had a, a period of time where they organized them in smaller groups, and then they, they had a period of time called the phalanx, and then they had a period of time where they, they organized them even smaller units than that. But there was one principle that they always had, and it went like this. If you, if you were a Roman soldier... Um, you would be in one of three lines if you were going out to battle. If the enemy's out there coming at me, there's going to be three lines. There's going to be a front line, a second line, and a third line. And the front line is going to go out and do battle while the second line stands back and rests. When the front line is begin to weary, begin to get tired, they're going to pull the front line back, and the second line is going to slip in between the first line and is going to go out and go to battle. And the second line is going to support the front line. And through every battle that took place, there was always somebody behind them that was supporting them, that was ready, that was there to encourage them, to step into their place, to help them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and don't miss this. In all three uh, uh, different types of, of structure they had within the Roman military through thousands of years, it always had that one truth, that one principle. Now you say, Pastor Bray, that's great. Big deal. No, no, no. Rome, listen to me. Rome managed to conquer the world with that principle. Right? 
We fight this battle together. How does the church beat an enemy that is brutal and evil and seems to be winning more times than not? How does the church in America that seems to be back on its heels... or Anybody watch the Tyson fight last night out of curiosity? Nobody wanted to pay the 50 bucks. I probably would have paid the 50 bucks, but there was no way I was going to be able to stay up till 11 o'clock to see it. So I didn't even bother trying. It was a draw, if you don't know. At least that's what I... Because I just got on YouTube this morning and looked at all the highlights for free. It's like, man, I'll keep my 50 bucks, right? Um, back on, on your heels? The church feels like we're back on our heels in America, doesn't it? How do we beat an enemy like we're fighting? The way we beat them is together. Support one another. Encourage and strengthen one another. Though, though you know... Judah went down, but he didn't go down alone. He said to his brother Simeon, hey, come along with me and let's go fight. And then later I'll go fight with you. One of the best things you can do, church, is have a job, a responsibility within the efforts of the church. I have a pastor friend in northern Indiana. He's, he's, he's in Wisconsin now. He's no longer in Indiana, but uh, he planted a church. And his rule, if you want to become a member of my church, is you've got to have a job in the church. He told me that. I said, how do you, how's that, how do, you do that? How does that work? He said, well, he said, look, he, he said, we have, we have people come in that we've got a lady, you know, she's 98 years old and, and has obviously not got the capacity to climb up on the roof and help fix the vents. But she's, she'll sit in the foyer every week and she'll be glad to hand out a bulletin to somebody and say, God bless you. God loves you. Said so it, it may not be a big job. It may not be an upfront job, but everybody, has, if you're going to be a member of the church, have a responsibility in the church. He said, that's just the, that's the foundation we've built this church on. I thought, you know, I've never done that. And we don't really do that so much here. But I thought that's really good. But then also, the second most important thing you can do is see yourself as part of a bigger army. Right? Somebody plays keyboard. Somebody plays drums. Somebody plays guitar. Somebody sings. Somebody stands in the foyer and makes sure no crazy person comes in the door. That would be Joel and Gary. Um, and I know we laugh, but that's the world we live in, right? Somebody runs the sound. Somebody cleans. Somebody works in the nursery. Somebody takes care of the kids in the kids' ministry. Somebody works with the youth. Somebody prays. And it's easy to get ourselves in a box and think, you know, I, I do what I do. And usually when we get, I, I find when I get myself in a box, I tend to get kind of depressed because I feel like I'm in there alone. And I see the bigger picture. See that you're a bigger piece of something bigger than yourself. See, see that you're only a part, but the part that you're playing is a, is, is a part in an army that has the best chance of any army of pushing back the devil, pushing back the enemy, pushing back Satan, and changing the direction of your country and your community and your family. It's very, 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 very infrequently that any individual wins a war. It just doesn't happen. And man, they understood that. Judah, Judah said to Simeon, he said, look, come with me, come with me, come with me. I want to look at one other 
piece in verse 3 this morning. This is probably the most, maybe, maybe, maybe the most controversial. Maybe, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to share it anyway. Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me into the territory. And I want you to notice this. Notice this. He said, come up with me into the territory that's allotted to me that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise go with you into the territory that is allotted to you. And this, this is the third thing I felt God say to me to, to, to share. We fight as a, as a team. We fight as a, an army. We fight together. We support one another. But there's also a place to stay in your lane. Right? You understand what I'm saying? When I was a youth pastor, I had no desire or drive to step into the senior pastor's lane and tell him how to run things. Right? We live in an age where you can learn to do just about anything on the internet. It's crazy. I've said for a long time, and it's only half-joking, I think you could learn brain surgery from YouTube. Now, you know, you're going to practice on that guy. You aren't practicing on me, but nevertheless. And sometimes because we can get on and we can learn anything, we think we can do anything, but God hasn't called you to do anything. God's called you to do what he's called you to do. If he's called you to be on a worship team, then be on a worship team. If he's called you... Uh, to be involved in, in caring for the church and cleaning for the church, then care and clean for the church. If he's called you to, to, to preach the gospel, then preach the gospel. If he's called you to teach the gospel, then teach. If, do you understand what I'm saying? He's called you to a lane, and, and, and there's overlap in lanes, right? But stay in your lane. Doesn't mean you don't step out of your lane to help somebody else, but understand that's their lane and this is my lane and I'm going to, I'll help you. I'll support you. I'll do what I can for you, but it's your lane and I'm going to leave it your lane and I don't need to tell you how to run your lane and I'm going to come over here and stay in my lane. And, and that's what we see with Judah, Judah and Simeon. They, Judah said to Simeon, come on over here and, I'll, and help me in my allotted territory and I'll come over here and help you in your allotted territory, but it's still your allotted territory and it's still my allotted territory and we're not going to change it up. I used to listen to him grumble at my job at, in northern Indiana when I was still bivocational. It, it, it was a couple jobs back. And they would come in and they would complain because the president of the company, he, he would come in some days of the week. He'd come in at 10 o'clock in the morning. He'd roll in in his nice car and go up to his office. And it's like, I wish I had that job. I wish I was in that lane. And I always thought to myself, and I, I know this to be true, I found this to be true, you know, they say that, what they really mean is, I wish I could come in at 10 o'clock and drive his car, but still go home at 5 o'clock when my quitting time is. Because what they never thought through and thought about was, this was also the guy that was having to get on an airplane at 4 o'clock in the morning and fly to California to sell projects and sell jobs that might be out there for three days straight away from his family that might end up working over a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday that didn't get holidays. So, yeah, he might come in at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday, but he's probably been gone for 24 hours straight for the last three days over the weekend. 
And we in America, we've got this disease, and it goes something like this. The grass is always, 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 always greener on the other hill. Don't we? My youngest son was down this weekend for Thanksgiving, and we, I don't even remember how we got on the topic, but we were talking, oh, I do. We were talking about pulling, pulling wire for, for uh, systems, alarm systems and, and video systems, and I was telling him that Gary helped pull this wire, and I'm like, thank God for Gary. I'm so glad that's his lane now, not mine. <laughs> he climbed around in this attic, and I said, Gary, you need me to come up there and help? He says, no, I, I got it. You just, somebody's got to stay down there and pull it on the other end. I'm like, thank, I, I'm your guy. Joel and I ran some wire in the back here a while ago, and um, I climbed. I did climb up there. I have done it. I, I've done it fairly recently, and got back into that little corner, and, and the roof comes down like this. And you got to be a really acrobatic, small, flexible person to get back into that corner, because you got to get down on your belly, and you got to crawl on these trusses, and you got insulation above the trusses, so you got insulation blown up in your face, and you better not miss the truss because you're going to fall, and it won't be good. And I looked at it and came down and said, Joel, we're not going to do it this way. And Gary got up there and did it. Gary, I hope I can grow up and be like you someday. <laughs> Seriously. I won't say all this next service. He'll be here and I'd embarrass him. He did it. Good on him. My son was telling me, he said, yeah. He said, Dad, we've, we've got guys that they get really upset because they don't get this job or they don't get that job they're really good at pulling wire they're really good at what they do they're really good at going into a home and and doing it and they make you know they just make they make okay money he said and they get really upset that they can't get into this position this management position or this sales position or whatever and he said here's the thing he said if they would just learn to be nice to people they could get the job and do really well with it but they have no people skills they do okay when it's just them in a role of cat five but if it's them in a roll of Cat 5 and a, and, and a homeowner, it's tough. And that's their lane. And if they're okay with that being their lane, that's fine. Let, let me end this section with this, these, these last couple of thoughts. Stay in your lane. Work in your lane. Let me change metaphors on you, okay? Whatever hill you're on, learn to love your hill. Whatever hill's got the grass on that God's got you on, learn to love your hill. Be thankful for your hill. One of the most unenjoyable ministry jobs I ever had in my whole life, and this has nothing to do with anybody but me, just the way God put me together, was somebody came to me and said, hey, will you be a role ranger leader? And I had a group of boys that were 9, 10, 11 years old. And you know, when you're 9, 10, or 11... It takes a special person to be able to connect with that age group. And man, it was not fun. It was hard. And then I got the 6, 7, and 8, and 9, and 10, and 11-year-olds, and, and I found out that some 6-year-olds need to be potty trained. And there's nothing more brutal than being a 19, because I was 19 at that time. There's no, nothing more brutal than being a 19-year-old and having a 6-year-old stand there on, on, on the floor in the basement of your church and look down around him, and he's got a puddle all the way around him. What do you do with that when you're 19? You know what I did? I thanked God all the way to find my wife that I had a wife. And I said, wife, 
help me. And she did. I said, I really need somebody to take him and clean, that, clean him and that up while I go take care of these other boys. She did. She's, she's a good person. <laughs> but you know what? I had to learn. I had to learn to be thankful and love the hill that I was on because that was the hill that God put me on. That was my lane. That was my hill for the moment. And I had to learn this. Now, now somebody needs to get this this morning, okay? If you're going to be on a hill, be the king of that hill. Own that hill. Understand every bit about that hill. I don't mean be the boss and be, be the dictator. I'm not saying that when I say be king. But I say, you know, when you own something... You're responsible for it. You protect it. And, and again, I don't mean in a haughty way or an arrogant way, or a, a, but, but, but it's you, you, know, you, you know why everybody wants to be an owner because they like, make a lot of money. Um, but what we always don't seem to realize about the owner is the owner is the one that when things go wrong, they have to be up at 9 o'clock at night and 10 o'clock at night and 1 o'clock in the morning. They're the ones that have to get up at 4 a.m. to make sure that things are in place. What we don't realize is when you're the owner, you're the owner. And if, if what you own fails, you fail. Be the owner of your thing. Be the owner of whatever it is you do. L- listen to me, whether it's playing the keyboards, or whether it's playing the guitar, or whether it's running the sound system, or whether it's taking care of babies, or whether it's taking care of teenagers, you be the expert on your hill. Whatever that means. For some of you, that means find people that know more than you and talk to them and ask a lot of questions. For some of you, it means get on YouTube and learn how to do that thing. For some of you, it means practice more. For some of you, it means read a book. We all operate and function and learn and grow in different ways. But be the expert on your hill. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time in, 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 in past t- years, I've spent a lot of time, God, what's the best way to present this gospel to people? So they actually remember it past the moment they walk off the parking lot. Because I don't know how many times I've walked off the parking lot and had no memory of what the sermon was about for that Sunday. And sadly, sometimes I'm the one that preached the sermon. Right? Be the expert on your hill. Be the expert on your hill. Whatever that means. You know, I made the comment about YouTube. YouTube is an incredible opportunity, an incredible place. I was telling Austin, they've got this new thing, and this isn't the direction you go to learn your hill, but I'm just going to throw it out there because there's so, just to show you there's so much available in the society we live in. MIT, you guys know what MIT is? College, one of the premier colleges in the world, MIT. They, about 20 years ago, made something called MIT Open Coursework. They began to make it available and what, because they felt like knowledge ought to be free. And they begin to videotape, video their classes, their professors teaching, and they begin to make available their assignments and their books and their entire class syllabus and everything. And you can go to MIT Open Courseware and you can take classes in business, in accounting, in engineering, in math. Kyle, where's Kyle at? In math, Kyle, in math. Do you know how cool that is, my friend? Math. Me and, me and Kyle got a math thing going on. In, in math, you can take classes in sociology and anthropology and, 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 and any, anything MIT offers, all kinds of crazy stuff for free from anywhere in the world. 
And it was such a big hit that now Stanford does it, and Princeton does it, and Arizona State University does it, Michigan State University does it, and Yale does it, and Harvard does it, and colleges in Australia do it. And you don't get a credit for it, but if you just want to learn the information so you can be king of whatever hill God's got you on, it's there for you. I said, Pastor Barry, I'm not about that whole college thing. Like my youngest says, Dad, I'm not about that life anymore. I'm like, all right, that's fine. And I'm not telling you you have to be about that life, but I'm telling you there are so many things, so many resources, so, so many ways you can be the expert, right? Man, be the expert in your area. Y'all with me? Good, because I'm out of time. I see that now. I got excited about what I was preaching. Yeah, that's not a bad thing, right? Here's where I'm going to bring this to a close this morning. We're get, I told you this is kind of a New Year's sermon, and it is. We're getting ready to step into 2021, and I hope 2021 we can see more clearly than we did in 2020. Yeah, y'all get the, you'll get the joke there. You'll, you'll, you'll catch it in a minute. I hope sight is a whole lot clearer in 2021 than it was 2020. 2020 was messed up. I did things in 2020 I never thought I'd do. Learn things in 2020 I never thought I'd have to learn. I'm still learning things in 20. I still don't know things in 2020 that I need to learn about lights and cameras and sound systems and video and streaming. And Listen to me. God's got a purpose for Souls Harbor. Now, understand what I'm saying when I say that. I'm not talking about the organization, although that's part of it. I'm talking about you, we. I I say this often, Souls Harbor is the families, single family or multi-family. It's the the people, it's the families that, that call this their home. That is Souls Harbor. God has got a purpose, and every one of you play a part peace. You have a hill, you have a place. We need each other. You need to know somebody is there for you. Somebody's got your back. Somebody supports you. Somebody encourages you. Somebody will step in when you're tired. I need to know the same thing. We need to know that. But God has got a plan and a purpose. And this battle can be won for our nation. But it's going to be won together. It's going to be won through diligence. There's never yet been a battle that was bloodless and easy and fun. It's not a walk in a park. It's a war. And Maybe if God allows me, I'll finish this next week because the guy, the, the one we fight against is Satan and, and he's brutal and he's evil and he's ugly and, he, and it's just messy. But that doesn't mean we don't fight. We're called to fight. And I'm asking you this morning as we get ready to step into a new year, will you inquire of the Lord God, what do you want me to do? God, how can I become the master of my domain, of my hill, of of my lane? How can I become the expert? What can I do to do it better? What can I do to do your lane? Look, I could get on YouTube all day long and listen to videos, Ginger, on how to sing. I could probably learn a thing or two. I could probably actually even get better. But when the bar's pretty low, better doesn't mean much, right? We all know this. I'm okay with this. I've, I've learned this about myself. But here's the thing. Singing is not my lane. It's not my lane. 
So don't invest your time into somebody else's lane. Invest your time into your lane. And let God use you. Because I want to come to the end of my life and look back and say, God, to the best of my ability, with you in me, I've made a difference. And the next generation will remember me. For all the right reasons. Will you stand this morning? going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And I'm going to ask you this question. Are you here? And and, and I'm not going to call you to the altar. We're going to pray and let you go. But I'm I'm just going to ask you to be honest, look into the depths of your heart. Pastor Barry, I've kind of been coasting. I really have. I've been coasting. I've been frustrated. I've been I've been going through the motions. I've not really been being what I ought to be on my hill. And this morning, I want 2021 to be the year where I step in and I get back on track and I do something for the kingdom of God. If that's you, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart this morning, I want you to put your hand up. And and this is between you and God, not between you and the rest of this congregation. So with eyes closed and heads bowed, if that's you, put your hand up. Just hold it there between you and God. God, this this year, I'm going to step back in and I'm going to engage and I'm going to make my life matter and I'm going to do something. And I'm going to become the expert of my lane. Several hands in this room. Thank you. You can put them down. Let me pray for you this morning and just pray over this coming year. Father, I do pray over Souls Harbor and the families that call this church home. And I pray over those this morning that lifted their hands. And I pray, Holy Spirit, don't let this be the sermon that falls away by the time we hit the edge of the parking lot. God, plow it deep into their spirit and their soul today. And I pray, God, that they will continue to inquire of the Lord. And, and God, speak to them. Speak to them in your voice or speak to them in silence, but speak to them and guide and direct their steps. And I pray, use us coming into this new year, Lord, to make a difference, to win the battles and win the wars that we're facing against the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Appreciate you. Have a fun afternoon. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.